I didn't get the uh, the notification, the push notification that you sent the invitation, but now it's showing up saying, hey, he sent it eight minutes ago. I'm huh. like, but you didn't tell me eight minutes ago. I was busy looking at photos of the Brooklyn Cyclone Seinfeld night. <laughs> Yeah, I um I saw the bobblehead. I think this year it was that um, George marine biologist thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What else did they do? <laughs> uh, I mean, they they've uh, it's they've done the Seinfeld night every year. They they yeah. haven't really done many new things. Uh, they they do the Elaine dance competition. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, there's been they they had a toilet paper. I, I'm guessing probably like a spare a square mummy wrap competition yeah. to see who could wrap themselves up. They had a trash-eating contest, which looked new oh and cool. Oh my gosh, that's <laughs> So there was just, like, people just, like, stuffing their face with eclairs, but, like, having to dodge, <laughs> like, uh, balled-up papers instead. <laughs> that's amazing. That looks incredible. Not a big, not the biggest fan of the jersey this year, though, because, I mean, uh, you, you've seen them in years past, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I 20, 2019, I think, was the last, like, really good one because 2019 they did they were the brooklyn marble rye uh 2021 they didn't do a full jersey they only did a baseball tee and it was the kruger industries cyclones and (laughs) and it was that uh slogan on the jersey said you can truly see that we don't care and (laughs) instead of a jersey they played in a baseball tee i'm like that's so on brand (laughs) this year they did a, a regular jersey but they were the pretty boys Oh, that's awesome! Which yeah, I I th- is a... is cool, but I'll just yeah. go to their story. It's on it's on their story or Instagram because they have uh, the jerseys in the shop still. Um, I wonder if they still have like jerseys from years past. I would bet they're a minor yeah. league team. They'll do anything for money. I know. Oh, they had the Wiz. It looks like doing contests, and you had to. <laughs> oh, it looks like they did pin the mustache on Keith Hernandez. <laughs> That's oh my hilarious. god. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's amazing. Man, that would be so fun. What's that contest with the balloons? Oh, the ass man contest. Oh my gosh. You had to pop balloons with your ass. <laughs> okay, if you go down like 15 posts on oh, their I feed on their I grid, you'll see yeah, there's a there's there, there's there's the t-shirt which on the back is last name Spitter number two because there was a second Spitter. Yeah. And then Did right below see... that is the jerseys uh, because there's Br- the Pretty Boys and there's the Bubble Boys the that bubble they face boys. off was... against every year. That's, oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. And they had their big, biggest crowd since 2015. Yeah, they had uh, 7,000 <laughs> people by the time... Uh, at least on the story, it said they had 7,000 people by the time uh, Take Me Out to the Ball Game was sang, which is great. The total was 8,112. That's awesome. That's, yeah. That's awesome. That's incredible. <laughs> Washington Wild Things, take note. I will go down for, that's our like local minor league team. I mean, I'd say Pirates, but who wants to go to a Pirates game, even if it's Seinfeld night, you know? I'm just Man, kidding. We, I do want to go to a Pirates game, but Wild Things Park is where the Four Chord Music Festival takes place every year. And Ted, I think we made this happen because it, I, I bring it up, uh, you know, I brought it up throughout season seven, but... Yellow Card was the headliner this year, playing Ocean Avenue in full. Oh, my God. I know. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, that would have been pretty, pretty cool. All All right. right. Should we get going? (laughs) Might as well, yeah. All right. Welcome to No Hugging, No Learning. It's a show about one thing, watching Curb Your Enthusiasm for the first time. I'm Tim Murphy. And I'm Ted Hollowell. And today we will be talking about Season 8, Episode 1, The Divorce. But before that, what's the deal with stuff from our last episode, Seinfeld. Uh, We wanted to know if, like a couple of other episodes involving the Seinfeld reunion, any other real crew made cameos that we might have been unaware uh, of who they were, but Larry and Jerry brought them back because they were bringing back, you know, the original sets and and why not bring back the original crew like the casting director we we heard in an earlier or we saw in an earlier episode. Uh Randy Carter, who played the first AD on this episode of Curb, he's credited as first AD in the cast list, was second unit or assistant director on 89 episodes of Seinfeld. Woo! So that's pretty cool. Before Larry talks to Mocha Joe about Jason Alexander's dogs, the person buying a coffee is Norman Brenner. He's credited as coffee customer in this episode, uh, and he played various mostly uncredited background roles on 29 episodes throughout all nine seasons of Seinfeld. Uh, Let me just run through 
some of his roles here. Man in party, man in coffee shop, man in store, man on bus, man on sidewalk. Uh, let me see. We get a little more specific here. Coworker, movie goer, sofa salesman. Oh, we're back to man in bar. Uh, orderly man on Jerry set, Jerry's sitcom in the show, within the show, uh, chef, man at airport, man in restaurant. Uh, so a lot of that. But he does have two um, kind of big roles, quote unquote. Uh, his biggest, his second biggest role is probably Bader, an acquaintance that Jerry sees in the back of Monks. So he has to leave the table so Elaine can tell George and, and let him in on the prank that it was her voice leaving Jerry a dirty message on his uh, stand up tape in The Tape. Uh, back in the day. so And then the other big role that he had was Ian, a.k.a. Ian, in The Wigmaster, the guy that is introduced to Elaine, and he says his name is Ian, or he says his name is Ian. It's pronounced Ian, but it's spelled I-A-N. So it's like Ian? No, Ian. Uh, so that is Norman Brenner, probably his biggest role on Seinfeld. On camera, that is, because he was also Michael Richards' stand-in for all nine seasons of Seinfeld. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that would have been his bigger role. But I guess every so often they were like, hey, we need a man in library. Can you where's Norman? So they grabbed Norman for stuff like that. And Dan Cooley, who played a golfer in Seinfeld. I don't remember any golfing, but he's credited as golfer in this episode. But so Dan Cooley uh, is in the Seinfeld episode of Curb. And he was also location manager for 20 episodes of Curb Your Enthusiasm. So it had nothing to do with Seinfeld, but he's a Curb crew member that appeared Ooh, on camera right. <laughs> in this episode. Yeah, uh, When Amanda and George, Cheryl and Jason, are getting cozy on the couch and fighting over the popcorn, Jerry says, this is like the greatest relationship I've ever seen you have on the show. I'm watching Richard Benjamin and Paula Prentice here. And the reference, as Jerry's normally are, <laughs> completely lost on us. So I found out that this is a reference to the short-lived American sitcom He and She... From 1967, which was on CBS uh, in 1967. <laughs> a sitcom from yep. 1967. How many episodes did it run, Tim? Did it you ran, look that up? It ran for one season on CBS. Oh. And, and then it was canceled. And 29 episodes total ran during that season. That's more that than I thought. That's more than I, I thought it would be. <laughs> Well, back in the day, remember, they just, like, cranked them out. Like, Gunsmoke oh, yeah. would have, like, oh, you know, season one is 50 episodes, of course. Like, what? What? No. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> We're gonna, we have to do an episode a week. What, what's, yeah. what's a season? <laughs> what, are we going to take a break? Yeah, what, yeah, what's a season break? The second you take a break, people forget about your show because there's no internet <laughs> there's no yeah. place to talk about your show now for all we're for all the guff we're giving he and she it is widely considered according to wikipedia uh by broadcast historians to have been ahead of its time its sophisticated approach to comedy was viewed as opening doors to the groundbreaking mtm family of sitcoms in the 70s beginning with the mary tyler moore show in 1970 mm, all right. yeah but he and she did star and this is why jerry mentioned it real life married couple richard benjamin and paula prentice and they played Dick and Paula Hollister, uh, Dick, a successful <laughs> <laughs> cartoonist, and his wife was a social worker, and his cartoon Jetman had become so successful that it was now a network television series starring an egomaniacal actor uh, named Oscar North, played by Jack Cassidy, and he constantly argues with Hollister over the direction of the Jetman character. There's a uh, folk singer actor named Hamilton Camp who played a handyman in the apartment building that they lived in. Kenneth Mars played a firefighter uh, who would often drop in on the Hollister's apartment via a plank connected to the firehouse across the alley. So I know a lot of, you know, I, I remember sitcoms kind of using that trope as like, you know, say by the bell had like Zach was always dropping in through uh, to Jesse's window from the tree outside. Clarissa explains it all. Sam was always putting that ladder up so he could climb into Clarissa's window that but and actually like now that I'm a dad of a of a of a girl I'm like if there was a boy regularly sneaking <laughs> into my daughter's room via a ladder on the side of the house like I know they weren't doing anything because it was a Nickelodeon show but I'm like not cool like we're gonna <laughs> put into that shit right now <laughs> like no way but he and she also won the 1968 Emmy Award for comedy writing and got four other Emmy nominations that year including nominations for Prentice, Benjamin, and Jack Cassidy. Uh, so it was kind of like the Arrested Development of its time, like constantly awarded and then canceled by the network. So, uh, yeah, like I said, oh, I'm sorry, I, I, I uh, highballed it. It was 26 episodes in that season, not 29. But I was surprised to learn as I continued to, to dig deep in here just how 
far in showbiz Richard Benjamin and Paula Prentice went. Richard Benjamin, who is still alive, by the way, he's 85. He directed The Money Pit with Tom Hanks in 86, like contributing to Tom Hanks's meteoric rise in the world of acting. My Stepmother is an Alien, which, you know, is a weird sounding movie. But I remember being very big when it came out, probably because of the weird sounding title. It was just enough to like pull you in and go, what? Uh, Mermaids with Cher, which got a lot of award show uh, attention for Winona Ryder. And who else is in that? Alyssa Milano, something like that. He made Made in America. He directed that movie with Ted Danson, star of Curb Your Enthusiasm. Uh, he did Milk Money. And Richard Benjamin is in the Two Timers Club on SNL. He hosted SNL twice. <laughs> um, I think back, it was back in like 79 or 80 or something like that. He, I forget what he was promoting at the time, but he was he was acting in something around that time that, that was kind of big. He was later in a 2015 episode of Children's Hospital. So I probably have, have seen him act. And he's still kicking to this day. Like I said, he has a movie called Men of Divorce that's in post-production right now. And he was in a movie this year with Jonah Hill called You People. Do you remember this where like he has the, Jonah Hill's in an interracial couple and their parents meet. Eddie Murphy is her dad and his dad is David Duchovny. And it's like, you know, very, you know, awkward. This is racial. literally the first, the first time you've heard, heard this. <laughs> yeah. And well, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Very like, look who's coming to dinner or why him kind of kind of movie. Yeah. Um, of course, the movie ends when Jonah finds out that his black girlfriend went surfing with men and had a good time. So, oh yeah, yep, yeah, of yep, course. And they break, they break up. Yep. <laughs> a lot of people say he pulled from you know his real life for that. Paula Prentice is also still kicking. She's eighty-five as well. Uh, she had a small but pivotal part in the Parallax View back in seventy-four with Warren Beatty. Uh, she was the second lead in the original Stepford Wives movie. She did a lot of Broadway, and her last credit was in twenty sixteen in the gothic supernatural horror, I Am the Pretty Thing That Lives in the House. And you might be pleased to know that, you know, maybe in spite of all their showbiz success, Paula Prentice and Richard Benjamin are still married as they have been since 1961. Wow. That's yeah. cool. All right. So Jerry's reference, albeit completely lost on <laughs> 99% of the audience, was uh, right, was spot on. Uh, so yeah, but we, we've never faulted him for that. It's just the fact that no one. It's just the fact them. that no one knows who yeah. he's talking yeah. about. They're, they're usually accurate. It's just. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just your your point won't land if no one knows what you're talking about. Um, uh, so I found so Seinfeld is is maybe the only Curb Your Enthusiasm episode that has its own wiki page. So here's some other polls from that. Uh, Larry David previously, as we know, uh, this is I, I think actually this is maybe from the IMDb page for it. Larry David previously refused to make a Seinfeld reunion, but he thought it would be funny to do it on Curb Your Enthusiasm, stating that it was the perfect way to do something like that, but not to do it under the guise of doing the Curb show. It was very relaxed and loose and easy. And the original sets were used to construct Jerry's apartment in Monk's Cafe, with Jerry's apartment updated to reflect the 11 years that had elapsed since the finale. And you probably noticed there was like, you know, a new fridge and new stereo equipment and stuff like that in the background. Uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm, Seinfeld had about 2 million viewers, making it the highest rated season finale of the show in more than five years. Jeez. Uh, yeah, which I guess means season two's finale was the highest rated before that. And for comparison, though, the series finale of Seinfeld attracted 76.3 million viewers. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, network network TV exactly. versus pay premium cable. Premium cable, yeah. There's no comparison. There's but... no comparison. <laughs> uh, and, and it didn't create the fervor enough for people to actually go out and subscribe to HBO so they could see the long-awaited Seinfeld reunion, but hopefully they got a little bit out of it. Um, this season of Curb was nominated for two Emmys, including Best Comedy Series, which it lost to Modern Family, and Larry David was nominated for Best Actor, but he lost to Adult Sheldon, uh, Jim Jim Parsons, uh, who was on a run. That's what I call him to, you know, to differentiate. It's the, the funniest way to, to describe hi, hi, who he is. Adult, Adult Sheldon. Sheldon. Yeah, he's yeah. not young Sheldon. He's not young. He's not, he's not teen yeah. Sheldon. They're getting into teen Sheldon territory oh, now. Oh, boy. Adolescent show. Sheldon. Adolescent oh, no. Sheldon. <laughs> that has coming a cadence to, coming to it. Coming this fall to Cinemax. <laughs> Adult Sheldon was on a run back in the 2000s with uh, Big Bang oh, God, Theory. He, yeah. won. he was beating, like... Steve Carell and people who were obviously much the roles that were much meatier and better, but but you know people love the Big Bang Theory. Um, yeah, I mean, all he had to do was show up on set and say Bazinga, and they just yeah. handed him another award. Exactly. This is not no spoilers, but this is not the last we'll see 
of Mocha Joe. But unlike true Curb fans, we won't have to wait a decade, which, of course, in... <laughs> In curb time, that's only like three seasons, but um, you know, maybe, yeah, maybe we'll be, I've said we'll two be talking about him in I don't know, like four months or so. <laughs> yeah, or not, but it literally is ten years between his appearance here and his next appearance. But yeah, for Jesus us, it's going to be like four months. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's like wow, it was ten years. Yeah, but yeah, no, ten years between season seven and season ten. Like what? What? <laughs> yeah, curb time. We're running on curb time. Um, so <laughs> that is it uh, for trivia and tidbits and stuff. All right. Uh, do we got any other news or anything? I don't think so. We already covered any, the Cyclones. Mm-hmm. Any uh, any continuity we need to keep up with? Not that I saw. Although I'm, I'm sure if you really dug into the differences between Seinfeld and Curb and Curb's version of Seinfeld, you could probably, there's probably a treasure trove, but nothing that I found. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, if you have never listened to us before, we are not a research-heavy show despite the last 28 minutes being almost exclusively research and bullshit. We like to have our questions pop up naturally in the run of the episode and assign them to ourselves the week following as though we are giving ourselves homework. I've never seen these episodes before, and Tim, since we're at the beginning of a new season, let me ask you one more time. Season 8, you did watch that in your original run of watching the show? I believe I did, yeah. Okay, so I've never seen these episodes before. I've never seen these episodes before. Tim has never seen these episodes before in the last 12 years. If we miss anything, if we egregiously skip over anything, please send us an email or send us a tweet. It's at NoHugging on Twitter or NoHuggingNoLearningShow at gmail.com. We're also over on Instagram. It's at NoHugging underscore NoLearning. You can find links to all of these down in the show description page. If you like what you hear, please give us a five-star rating and a written review over on Apple Podcasts or a five-star rating on Spotify if you use either of those apps. If you've already done that or maybe you just don't use either of those apps and you like us a little bit more than just a rating or a review, you can join us over on Patreon. It's patreon.com slash nohugging where for five bucks a month you can get early access to extended versions of every single one of our episodes as well as movie reviews every hmm, so often. We, we try and do them like every once a month. Sometimes they fall to the wayside. Tim takes a vacation. Ted gets COVID. Uh, Tim's got to go do do this thing. Ted has a wrestling booking. Things happen. Life happens. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're, we're we're trying to trying to get another one out. But again, that's Patreon.com/slash No Hugging. I don't want to be the person who says, "Look, five bucks a month for just the sign, just the curb episodes is more than enough." But whatever. We 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 got. <laughs> Got pigeonholed into into doing the the extra reviews. <laughs> uh, again, patreon.com slash no hugging. I want to give a special shout out to our patrons over on Patreon, the people who are actively giving us money. So thank you to Liam M, Michael Klatsky, Drybones, Nate Collins, Tamara Ortiz, the guys and gals over at the Idiotville Podcast, John Murphy, Danica Ligorio, J-Dog Conlord, Nick Kudla, Adam Webb, and Megan Stolarski. Thank you guys so much. Again, patreon.com slash no hugging. And Tim, one more thing before I wrap up this segment, um, because we are getting closer uh, I feel like we should start a countdown because now we have 40 episodes until we have to make another hard shift in whatever the fuck this show is about. <laughs> oh, wow. I mean, that's if... We have 40 new, weeks. That's if the new season is not out by that time. We can hope, you know? I hope they got it done before the strike. I, I would um, I would think the show is probably going to come out this fall. Yeah, the, the the season's gonna come out this fall, so and then we'll have another year, uh, just under a year, just another under fi- a year, another fifty yeah. weeks. But we'll see, we'll yeah. see, <laughs> we'll see. But yeah, we should uh, we should be thinking of what we want the show to become if yeah. if we want to keep doing the show. That is, <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm game definitely. I mean, so I, I, I have my thoughts, I, but if anybody else has thoughts, you know, you can tweet at us, uh, thread. Or X at us and thread at us, whatever you want to do. <laughs> yeah, as of now, as of now, we've got 40 more episodes until we uh, got to do something else. Wow. Um, all right, so, Tim, top episodes of season seven, what are you, what are you thinking? So okay. what, what, were your, what were your starred episodes, I guess, first? So out of the seven episodes that I starred in the ten episodes. Oh, my God. <laughs> I would be surprised if you weren't somewhere close to that. I mean, it's it's tough to be far away from anything between one and ten. 
But um, but I remember, uh, you know, I, I think when you look, you might. Do you know how many you starred? I'm looking now. Okay. And so I've got three full stars. Full stars, wow. Okay. I've got three full stars, but I've got uh, one, two, three, four, five star lows and okay. one star high low. Okay. So you have two more than me. You have nine. Did you star <laughs> nine episodes of the 10 episode season? <laughs> What is the what is the worst episode of season what, ten? Let's start what's, there. Or what's season the seven, one, I mean. Yeah. What's the one that didn't make the cut? Yes. Uh, <laughs> I bet it's Seinfeld. I bet it's the last episode. No, no, Seinfeld oh, okay. got a that star got, low. Okay, that got a star low, okay. Oh my god. It was uh Funkhauser's crazy sister. Didn't oh get anything from me. <laughs> you know what? It didn't get anything from me either. Not anything from me either. So we we have that in common. Um all right, before I give away like which one's actually got a star, because I'll, I'll go yeah. over those in honorable mentions. I'll go, I'll start three to one. So my number three is The Black Swan, which got a star low and was tied at three with Officer Krupke. And they're both stellar, funny episodes. They both come full circle, as I love when the end of Curb matches up with what happened at the beginning and, and Larry. But the, the, the question that separates those two is, do you like episodes where Larry comes out on top or where Larry gets his comeuppance. And that is the difference. Because in Officer Krupke, Larry comes out on top. The plan works perfectly. He's he's required to drop his pants and prove Jeff's lie to be true to Susie. Because he likes wearing women's underwear. Um, and it's got a great tag, too. And, and it's got that whole runner where the only way to break your neck is in a car accident or kind of lingus. Um, but the Black Swan ends with Larry almost getting away with killing uh, Takahashi's Black Swan. But... At the very end, we see that his feud with the gravedigger has escalated to the point where it says Larry's an asshole who kills swans, and Mr. Takahashi <laughs> is looking at him, and so Larry did not get away with it. I think that's the better episode when Larry gets his comeuppance, so that's why the Black Swan beat out Krupke for the number three spot. Uh, number two is the table read, which you know we just went over a couple weeks ago, and and just what uh, how how that was a better reunion episode than the actual Seinfeld reunion episode. episode. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, but number one, beating it all, was the reunion, which brought the big four back together. It was such a fun reveal that that everyone was there, uh, the way they did it. And then he went and collected them all. So it was a real journey that way, getting everybody to say yes, and, and just very funny and great to see uh, all of our favorite Seinfeld people. So the reunion was number one. The Black Swan, the table read, the reunion. My runners up, my, my honorable mentions go to the most average episode of the season, Vehicular Fellatio, which got the <laughs> bell curve with an arrow pointing at the middle. Denise Handicap, which got a star low low, the only star low low of the season. The Hot Towel and Officer Krupke, which got star lows. All right. All right. Yeah. So I uh, let, let me let me go through my my honorable mentions here. My okay. <laughs> uh, the other uh, what six episodes that I gave <laughs> stars to. So we, we know I didn't give anything to Funkhauser's crazy sister, but yep. star lows. I've got vehicular fellatio, Denise Handicap, the Black Swan. Officer Krupke and yeah. Seinfeld. A star high low, an honorable <laughs> mention to the hot towel. Yes. Yeah. The hot towel was my my highest star low, was my highest that just <laughs> didn't make it to full star territory. So uh full stars, I don't know how I'm gonna rank these. Uh maybe yeah. maybe I can like talk them out, but I've got the reunion, I've got the table read, and I've got the bear midriff. Wow, tough one. Yeah. So okay, I I did like. I think I like the table read better than the reunion. Mm -hmm. So I'm gonna put the table read in front of the reunion. But what did I like about the bear midriff? Yeah, let me see. I mean, there was Larry's piss splashback. There was uh, him grabbing onto the midriff to save his own life. That's right. Um, mm. All the napkins. Do I want to put the bear midriff at two and put the reunion at three? I think I think that would shock the world, but you know it's your it's your list. I think I gotta do that. I think I gotta do that. I think I'm going the reunion at three, the bear midriff at two, and the table read at number one. Fair enough. Good list. A good list. <laughs> yeah, the table reading and the reunion are, are really to me interchangeable, kind of. Um, mm -hmm. That's why number two and one. But but just like you, we were totally on the same page as far as the hot towel, Krupke. And Black Swan, even though I gave those all lows, it sounded like they were on the same, kind of the same level that you were thinking. Just um, about, yeah. Yeah. So, all right. That's, all that right. is, that close. And, and just to close out season seven entirely, you know, I take notes in my 
my bootleg Amazon, you know, <laughs> JPEG blown up, like 20, 20 kilobyte JPEG blown up to, mm-hmm. you know, what should be a 10 megabyte JPEG front cover of a journal. Uh, and then inside, and fittingly right at the end of season seven, there's about five or six pages of some German novel that are just like what placed the in the fuck? middle. Yeah. As like, cause everything else is lined journal pages, but I get to the end of season seven and I'm like, what the, and it's, yeah. I mean like, uh, uh, dirt, see fast, dirt, gang, als ver Celine versus Zulf. And I'm like, how do I Google to find out what this is? Like my mom, luckily, uh, you know, majored in German in college. So I'm like, maybe she can read this. But I'm like, what if it's Mein Kampf or something like that? Oh, what if it's Jesus Christ. I know. I know. What if it's what, like... What, the, if it's the, what if it's the one famous book in German that I know? <laughs> yeah, I know. That's the only thing I can think. I don't think it is. Because, uh, you know, I don't see... I don't see any words that he might have used a lot. But then again, maybe I don't know the German translation for those. Um, yeah, I just thought it was really, just thought it was really weird that this is that this is in here. But it's a what good separation. Fuck? Yeah, yeah, it's a good separation. But there's even a little like a uh, little song in here. Vergebens der Alten, si soul s bibalten, si 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 sei uns im unachten Jahr, so gut wie si es dismal war. So it says dismal war, as far as I can see. Yeah, I mean, all right. <laughs> so I don't know. There's something something fishy here. I hope I didn't just like read some, you know, some white supremacist chant that they're all, that they've picked up over the years on our podcast. But yeah, that's the, it, that's the just, thing that gets played out of context. Exactly. We're dead. <laughs> yeah. So you're, you're about ready to receive a posthumous award for like human achievement, and they're wait like, wait, a second. stop. <laughs> Yeah, so just something weird I had to throw in there at the end, and uh, and that that is it from season seven. I promise. <laughs> all right. Well, all that being said, season eight, episode one, the divorce, original air date July tenth, twenty eleven. We're skipping ahead a couple of years, and also going back to earlier in the year. We haven't had a summer series in a while. I think it's it's mostly yeah. Been fall, right? Yeah, 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 definitely. And if you're looking in TV Guide that night, you are going to see season eight premiere, period. Uh, just, <laughs> it, it's lazy getting lazier. Larry learns his divorce lawyer isn't kosher and rescinds a cookie order from a Girl Scout. Well. Just uh, give away the whole episode there, why don't you? <laughs> yeah, I guess that's the problem. Yeah, just we gi- probably... just give away everything that happens. Yeah, because I was like, it does, it does, that is a synopsis. But, but really, when we say synopsis, we don't mean literally like, plot summary you know we try to make it a little teasy try to make it seem like you know yeah, it's, they'd want to the get people to watch the tease yeah it's the art of the tease you know i mean we, we've talked before we both are from the radio background you gotta yeah. you gotta tease people you gotta lure them in you can't just give them everything right yeah. up front give them like you know 75 percent or 60 percent or whatever it is and then the rest of it is yeah. is what you got them to hang them, around you got to show them everything but the nipple tim there you go exactly so we will see if we can make it better at the end we probably will be able to so season eight episode one does not start with frolic and the title card but instead, with the last few minutes of the last scene of season seven, episode ten, I thought this was actually really, really cool. <laughs> yeah, and was it reshot? Did you get the feeling that it was mm, reshot? It may may have just been like a, an alternate take. Yeah, because it continues on past what we saw happening in the last episode. And we see Cheryl storming out of the house, finally done with Larry. And that's when Frolic starts to play. And that's the end of the episode. No, I'm just kidding. And then we cut to, after the title card, one year later, Larry is talking to his divorce divorce lawyer, a.k.a. Paul F. Tompkins. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> b- I mean, before we before we get, it to, get into PFT, I legitimately yeah. thought they were divorced already. I, I, I thought they were divorced already in the last episode, in the finale of season seven, because I was even saying it, it's, not, it's not Cheryl having an affair because they're already divorced. I, yeah. I, I just thought they were divorced already. Yeah, I know. And, and they kept saying ex-wife and stuff like that yeah but and and so it really muddied the waters as far as whether they were being whether they were separated or actually married but yeah evidently they were just separated and so now now they're divorced but uh yeah we see the great paul f Tompkins. i, I wish he had 
more of a recurring role because he's one of the quickest, funniest improvisers just on the planet. He's so damn funny. Oh my um, god, talking about the desk that he has, and Larry's like, "Yeah, hmm, there's a there's a lot of room under this desk. It'd be a perfect desk to get a blowjob under." And just yeah. right, right back, PFT is like, "Well, it wasn't my intent, but we'll call it a happy accident." <laughs> Yeah, that line stuck out to me too. Is something that that he just kind of threw in there. Um, yeah, so we'll have to put it down and, and see. I think he was like, I feel like he was well on his way by 2011. Oh, you know, he like, was absolutely on yeah. at, at, at least best week ever by this point because I was watching Definitely. best week ever all through high school and, and twenty. So- July of 2011, I had already graduated high school. So he was definitely, you know, this is definitely comic actor makes guest appearance on popular HBO sitcom. But we'll still try to figure out, you know, maybe do a shallow dive on Paul F. Tompkins for that reason. He got Larry a great deal. He gets to keep the house. He gets to keep all his property. And he will look like a good guy while coming out ahead. That's how good of a deal this is. Larry's not going to look like he's leaving Cheryl with nothing. The lawyer tries to use the pie metaphor. He's like, you get all the pie filling. She's just getting the the top that looks kind of pretty or whatever. And Larry's like, Larry misses the metaphor completely. Instead, he wants to. He's just as thinking does, about pie. Yeah. He's just yeah. thinking about literal, actual pie. Yeah, he's, he's like, like but, but I like that part. I, I, I like that part better than the actual filling. Yeah. And so he's forced to flip them. He's like, fine. She gets the filling. You get the crumbly part on top. And Larry's like, yeah. Like, uh, that's what it was about. <laughs> like, you didn't understand the metaphor. You had to flip it to your actual personal preference. <laughs> well, but I like that part. Okay. But the good part, we all agree, is the inside. The top part just makes it look pretty and adds a little something, sure. But like, yeah, but I, that's my favorite part. It's like, okay, flip the metaphor. And the lawyer's name is Berg, as Larry keeps referring to him. Uh, do we and get his first name? No, not here. We do eventually. Okay. Yeah, but he's still just calling him Berg. And in the lobby, Larry leaves before... uh, Well, he doesn't want to be in on the meeting, but he does run into Cheryl and her lawyer in the lobby. Cheryl's lawyer is David Rabinowitz. And Larry thinks he should have recused himself because, you know, a bald guy going against another bald guy is against bald code. And we find out that Larry is giving Cheryl all of the bedding and the pillows that he didn't even like anyway. So that's kind of the the deal that she's getting, I guess. And Larry says that he can call Cheryl's lawyer baldy because, quote, it's like black people calling each other the N-word. And he uses the N-word. He and drops he just the it. N-word. Yeah, it's the it's he doesn't drop the hard R, but still he says it. And I'm like, how does he keep getting away with this? Like his friend was canceled, like before canceling was a thing. Like Michael Richards never worked another day in his life after that, besides the Seinfeld reunion, you know, like but he never did another thing like because of saying that on stage. Larry has said it now. What what are we up to, Ted? Oh, the- <laughs> The Larry David, the Larry David N-word count is up to a loose nine because yeah. I'm not totally sure. Like, why did he have to say it this time? He could have said the N-word. First of all, he didn't have to say it at all. Yeah, I, I, I would honest, <laughs> I honestly have to go back to the the last episode where he was saying it, which I think was last season. We went a long time in between him saying it. Yes. And now we're like, oh, two seasons in a row. Cool. I'm sure it was the episode The N-Word. Oh, probably. Because I, for whatever reason, felt more confident in how many times he had said it to that point, and yeah. including those instances, because he <laughs> says it twice in that episode. Yeah. Uh, everyone else says it a lot more. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. But Larry, Larry says it only twice. That was a big um, revelation in 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 the the uh the episode because i remember telling you that and you're like no way no way he only says it twice for as like liberal <laughs> as larry is for you know whatever for for a hollywood democrat or whatever this is the most conservative boomer thing he does is like oh how come oh you mean they can say it and we can't say it like yes how do old people not understand that it's like jeez why do you want to say it so bad? So yeah, it uh, it was that was a little shocking, <laughs> shocking part of this episode that I'm like, how has no one took taken Larry David to task on this yet? But he's also practicing a tick to do when he goes out dating uh, to see if uh, the other woman, if the woman will mention it or not. This is so gross. Yeah, this is so yeah. gross because out of nowhere he's like, hey, I'm gonna go and pretend I have Tourette's. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Make fun of mental, like fake mental illness to yeah. uh, <laughs> to 
conduct like some sort of human experiment to see if. But then again, you know, I mean, so taking the the mental illness, you know, part out of it, you know, I, I've heard women, maybe men do. I'm, I'm sure men do stuff like this too. But you know, it's like the the women you always hear. The, maybe not always. Maybe it's maybe it's gone out of fashion. Maybe this is a boomer thing too. But like they would test men during dates, like to see if they open the door for them or whatever, and and they drop in these little like these little these little quizzes, these little. Um, you know, pop quizzes throughout the test to see how the man would react and then judge the judge their how good of a date they were or whatever, just based on that. Like they would they would sit in the car until he opened the door or, or whatever and, and go, okay. oh, OK, he didn't open the door. That's, uh, you know, he failed that quiz or whatever. So that's the kind of thing that Larry says he's doing. It's a human experiment. Um, so over at Ocean Avenue Seafood, uh, which is another, you know, another Ocean Avenue ref this episode, uh, which was at 1401 Ocean Avenue in Santa Monica, right across from the beach there. It was there since 1986. But it closed in 2013. Don't know why, but it was replaced by Water Grill, uh, which is still there. And that is where Larry, uh, or Ocean Avenue Seafood, rather, uh, Larry is telling Jeff about Berg, that he's the sharpest. Here does he say, I got the sharpest Jewish lawyer? Or does he say, I got the sharpest Jewist lawyer? I don't know, actually, because <laughs> I, 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 thought, I thought he said the words Jewist. Yeah, yeah, me too. But I'm not <laughs> totally sure. I got the sharpest Jewish lawyer, divorce lawyer. Uh, but maybe he didn't say sharpest Jewish divorce lawyer uh, in town. And Jeff says, you know, Jeff tries to say to Susie, who we see is there, you know what, if we get... At first, Susie's not in frame, so I thought he was talking to Larry. It was a very weird reveal that he was talking to Susie because he was like, you know, if we ever get divorced, 50-50, you take whatever you want, I'll take whatever's <laughs> left. Um, and then it, then the camera, like, reveals that Susie is there and Susie informs Jeff that it will oh not be God. a happy divorce. <laughs> yeah. He's just trying to set the stage for, you know, a <laughs> hypothetical, happy 50, 50 divorce. You take what you want. I'll take what's left. Call it a day. She's like, Oh, absolutely not. Motherfucker. I'm taking you for everything that you have. I'm taking your balls and I'm tacking them to the wall. And she even says, you will rue the day that you met me. Yeah. And then it's just silence, and then Funkhauser jo- jumps in with, "All right, so that was a hilarious reveal too." That like, not only is it Larry and Susie and Jeff, which you know, which would have been awkward in and of itself, yeah, but, but then the camera out pans at lunch. <laughs> and they're out pans at lunch out. with Marty and Nan. <laughs> and he's like, "Guess what?" <laughs> you know, he like has to break the silence. That was such a funny reveal, a hilarious reveal, um, and you can tell that the look on Jeff's face was he was like, if you even say the D word, you're going to regret the day you ever met me or whatever yeah. she says. And yeah. you can tell that Larry, that Jeff is thinking, I already do. I'm already I there. I already do. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, but Funk's big news, Marty Funkhauser's big news is that he is going to London for three weeks on business. And then Larry asks Nan if she's going, which <laughs> Funkhauser is visibly perturbed at. He's like, oh, why, why aren't you going? And she's like, oh, you know, I, I don't know. I never travel with him. And and I, uh, he'll be doing busy and stuff. But she's like, well, you know, maybe I, maybe I should go. And Larry's like, ah, it's beautiful this time of year. And she's like, is it? And I love Funkhouser's line here. No, it's cold and foggy and dangerous. <laughs> cold and foggy and dangerous. They have gangs and all that going on. So no, you don't want to, you don't want to come. But she, but Nan decides that she does want to go to London. She is in. And Marty is pissed at Larry for bringing it up, which is hilarious. Uh, and then Larry runs into Joel O'Donnell, who's the owner of the Dodgers. And also Gary Cole, who is a famous, uh, you know, actor that's been in tons of stuff. People may recognize him from Office Space. He plays Peter's boss in Office Space, uh, Lumberg, and, uh, you know, a, a bunch of other stuff. He is there with Jessica St. Clair, who is also like a these days kind of a big time comic actor, I would say. But I wonder, you know, what? I'm gonna have to write her down. Jessica St. Clair, because maybe even by this point, she had like had her little guest spot on The Office or whatever but oh, i definitely maybe. yeah i definitely recognized her so we'll have to put her in and maybe gary cole i don't know uh he was probably you know he was like well on his way you know he had been working for years when when this movie came out or when the show came out her name is anna she it never comes back up but Susie says anna and i do pilates together and i was like oh okay the su- the relationship with Susie is gonna come back up it's a good thing we know that they know each other nope nope <laughs> nope just a little bit of character backstory yeah, sure, that yeah. sure doesn't sure doesn't come back <laughs> Yeah, a little bit of improv character backstory that we didn't need. Um, and uh, uh, 
Joel invites Larry to the owner's box to see a game and they can like commiserate because they're both getting a divorce and uh, they both have the same lawyer. They both are using Berg and uh, so they can commiserate as two divorced dudes. Oh, and by the way, Joel's daughter is selling Girl Scout cookies, so everybody expect a knock on your door. Uh, so as Joel leaves, Larry decides he's going to go to the buffet, and he loads up, and everyone's like, oh, man, all we got is shitty salads. We should have gotten the buffet. Look at that. There's shrimp and crab legs and mashed potatoes. And Jeff's like, oh, let me try the uh, mashed potatoes. I, I wanted to try those. And he's like, yeah, take a couple shrimp, too. Take a crab leg. What do you, you know? And then the manager comes over and informs Larry that, because you got the buffet, you, you can't share with people who did not get the buffet. They ordered off the menu, so you can't get... And Larry's like, what's the difference? It's all you can eat. And the, the manager's like, yeah, it's all you can eat. Now you <laughs> gave it to him, and it's all he can eat. And so you need to... And by the way, this terrifies me. Whenever I go... Like, I've been to buffets, and Sarah is like Larry. She does not care about the rule of the buffet. She'll like, you know... I remember one time specifically, specifically going to meet somebody at a buffet, and we weren't eating there. We were just meeting them there to leave later. And she's like taking stuff off their plates. And I'm like, damn it, they're going to see you and they're going to charge you for a buffet. And of course, it doesn't happen. But still, I'm like, this is so against the rules. Uh, we cannot do this. And so I'm, I kind of am on. I understand the manager coming over and saying something. I think that it is, is probably, uh, you know, restaurant policy that you can't share off the buffet with somebody who ordered off the menu, even though it doesn't make any sense because it's, it's all you can eat anyway. Like, what if Larry got that and then he left it on his plate? What, what would be the difference? Yeah, um, there, there, there'd be no difference. And so overcomes Hiram Katz, attorney at law. He interjects and says, well, first of all, you know, there's <laughs> nothing that says what he can do with the food once he gets it. There's nothing uh, in the policy that, that's expressed that uh, what, what people can do with the food once it's in their possession. And also, if you're saying that he stole a second buffet, well, stealing requires prior intent. Can you prove prior intent? Or are you going to apologize to these people and offer them a free round of drinks? And that's what the manager does. He backs down immediately in the face of Hiram Katz, attorney at law. And uh, uh, everyone, you know, Larry especially, is very impressed with what he just saw transpire. Uh, <laughs> because Hiram Katz doesn't like to see people taken advantage of like that. Uh, so back at home, Leon is very excited that Larry is getting the hookup at the Dodgers game. Because that's going to be great for us, as he says. <laughs> and Larry's like, what are, you, what are you talking about? Leon says, the hookup always comes with a plus one. And Larry says, no, it doesn't. <laughs> this is this is my thing. And Leon's like, when I get the hookup, you know, I'll hook you up. And Larry's like, you don't get the hookup. <laughs> and so they have a little fight about that. Uh, but that's when Kira comes by selling Kira O'Donnell, selling her Girl Scout cookies. And Larry is, you know, doing his buddy Joel a solid. He orders five boxes of each Girl Scout cookie, which, by the way, is not far off of my order. <laughs> well, I don't know. It's not. <laughs> I usually get like, I've gotten a lot. I remember one time... Um, <laughs> Remember I, who used to sell them in our office? I think it was like the niece of niece of uh, the traffic director. Yes, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And so you know, you so it is done this way. You order them, and then you you can pay for them later. Yeah, um, yeah. And so I remember, you know, so I was in the office with Jessica, and she called, and she was like, "Oh, you know, the money's due for the Girl Scout cookies." Um, and Jessica was like, "Okay, how much do I owe?" And she's like, "Okay." And how much does Murphy owe? She's like, "Oh my god." <laughs> I was like, what? I didn't even get that much. <laughs> but I, I would mean, order. <laughs> I, I, like five bucks or six bucks a box now. I know. Yeah. And if you're if you're getting more than <laughs> a few boxes, it, it adds up very quick. It does. So I would get like one of, of each. There are some that I don't care for. So I'll get like probably average of one of each because I get like two boxes of Samoas. You know, sometimes two boxes of Thin Mints. Definitely yeah. two boxes of Tagalongs. Uh, and then one box of Dosey Doughs. One box of what is what are some I can't think of the other ones. Um, oh, the s'mores I had to get two of last time because those are my favorite Girl Scout cookies now. Oh my god, <laughs> stuff that says s'mores does not hit the right balance that the s'mores Girl Scout cookie does. It is the You're best right. representation right. The of a yeah. The s'mores Girl Scout cookie is like a plus. It's the best representation of what a s'more tastes like. That's not a s'more without being a s'more, which is what I love because I hate s'mores because they're so damn messy and it's like the worst way to eat what tastes like a s'more is a s'more it's uh you know thank you for coming to my ted talk <laughs> thank you for coming to my tim talk more likely. hey larry orders all these cookies and while he is filling out the order form kira has her first period 
and, Jesus Christ. Yeah, and and Larry, uh, you know, he panics a little bit, but he's trying to keep everybody calm because he's like, you know what? I was married. My wife has a bunch of stuff. I'll uh, I'll I'll go get some of that. And so he comes down, comes back downstairs with some of Larry, uh, Cheryl's tampons, uh, tampon brand tampons. I don't know if you saw. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I love the fake tampon brand tampons. I buy tampon brand tampons. <laughs> also, in in Larry's like manic anxious state why isn't one of the things that he feels he needs to do call her father i agree i agree yeah he could have grabbed a cordless phone yeah like (laughs) some someone on this writing staff does not have the right anxiety to be writing larry's anxiety does that make sense because like i've i've seen something like this Okay, not not like this exact thing, but I've seen like a, a manic, anxious episode like this happen. Yeah. And the first thing you do is question everything. <laughs> yeah. And part of that is, okay, I need to I need to call the person who's in charge of her, let them know, make sure everything's okay, and just Larry skips over a very pivotal step. Or how about even he could have given her the phone while he ran and got other stuff because you know I, i'm sure that yeah yeah I'm, I'm sure larry doesn't want to talk to her dad yeah. about his daughter having her first period yeah exactly so i think that would have been like all right here, here's a cordless phone or whatever i think there's even a phone like right there on the, yes. on the in the foyer it's right there yeah. i think so you call your parents i'll run upstairs and, and and grab some stuff and then you know we'll we'll figure this out uh but no he he takes you know takes matters into his own hands as it were and yeah so larry brings some of these down and you know, she goes into the bathroom with one, but they both have no idea what they're doing. She's like, I never used one of these before. I, I thought this actress was great. It's like the tone that she was pulling from the other side of the door, like having to act without <laughs> being able to. We couldn't see her face or anything. Just her voice was like it, it was pulled off so well. But yeah, she's like, what What do you mean? He's like reading the instructions literally that come with it. He's like, OK, put your two fingers on the applicator. She's like, I don't know what that is. What are you talking about? It's so funny. And he's like, OK. He's like, oh, oh, you push it. Oh, you push it through. Like, I, And I love Larry as like a 60-year-old man or whatever. Also, never, ha- never having to have done this. Yeah, who's using a tampon for the first time ever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so eventually they figure it out together. She's like, okay, all right, I think I got it. And he's like, okay. Uh, and so driving uh, later after all of this, up pulls next to Larry a man on a motorcycle who turns out to be Berg, his lawyer, on a motorcycle. <laughs> so over at Jeff's, he tells him about seeing Berg on a motorcycle. And he's like, I can't recall ever having seen a Jew on a motorcycle. And God damn it. <laughs> yeah. And Jeff asked him if he's ever been on a motorcycle. He's like, I was on a motor scooter once. I got about 50 feet and fell over. So that was <laughs> it. And Susie comes in. She's dressed in, in like a camo top and, and pants, or maybe it was a dress or something, whatever. Whatever it is, Larry calls her General Petraeus, which is hilarious, and is like digging in like, thank you for your service, by the way. <laughs> and once again, Susie has to defend her outfit as this is fashion. This is in, this is in fashion right now. You're the one out of touch. And by the way, she tells him that O'Donnell is really upset at what conspired with his daughter and the tickets and the owner's box are now in jeopardy. You know, he's probably not going to get to go to that game anymore. Uh, And so Larry is like, all right, I guess I'll apologize or whatever. Go talk about that. You know, what was I supposed to do? And so Marty comes over and he yells at Larry for ruining his vacation. He was going to get three weeks away from Nan where he wasn't going to be talked over and he didn't have to think about her or, you know, just just. live in his mundane existence and Larry ruined it because now he's traveling with him and Larry's like this was such a great this was such a great moment because the way it just ends he's like why do you why don't you get a divorce he's like I'm too lazy smash cut <laughs> like, <laughs> there was no sitting on that which was perfect it was so excellently executed why don't you get a divorce I'm too lazy boom next scene <laughs> I loved that so over at Joel's house the housekeeper has been instructed to not let Larry David into the house to just shut the door on him because of what happened with Kira. And Larry, like, you know, tries to tries to defend himself. Like, I didn't do anything inappropriate with uh, Miss Kira. No, no. You know, I, I did what I had to do. And, and you know, he's like, um, what about the tickets to the game? And she's like, what? There's the housekeeper is like, there's not going to be 
And he's, he's like, I'm still. She was like, do, do you have a ticket? She's like, then there's no ticket. He's like, I told him I was interested in a ticket. I loved this too. And she was like, I'm interested. It doesn't mean I have a ticket. The cook's interested. The chauffeur's interested. We're all interested. We don't have tickets. <laughs> I love that. I'm interested. The chef's more interested than I am. He doesn't have a ticket. <laughs> We're interested in going to Dodgers games and we work for the guy. So yeah, no ticket and no conversation with Joel. So back at home, Cheryl is there collecting some things from the bedroom. You know, they, they're both kind of, it's, it's a very amicable parting. The, the kind that Jeff was hoping for with Susie. But, you know, he's like, it was like it was like grade school. You know, you get through it and then it's over and done with. And she's like, oh, really? Did you learn some things from marriage? And he was like, I wouldn't be tongue scraping if it wasn't for you. <laughs> she's like, oh, so <laughs> that's what you pulled out of out of our marriage. Okay, tongue scraping. <laughs> Not anything about interpersonal relationships. Just personal hygiene. Uh, and Larry, you know, he's he's got to shoot his shot because he's got a woman in his bedroom. So he has to see what the chances are they'll have sex. Not on the table, unfortunately, but you can't blame him for asking because he didn't get the breakup sex. You know, he didn't get anything the night of the Seinfeld reunion. So this was probably his last shot at anything like that uh, with Cheryl. I'm kind of surprised she didn't go for it, actually. You know, but but what are you going to do? Uh, Cheryl says that she knows somebody who went to high school with Larry's lawyer uh, over at St. Christopher's. And Larry's like, what, Berg went to St. Christopher's? <laughs> Isn't that a Catholic school? And Cheryl's like, yeah. And even she, I think, had like kind of a knowing, like Larry thought his lawyer was Jewish. And I'm about to, I'm about to, what is the, what's the meme? I'm about to wreck this man's whole, I'm about to wreck this man's whole career. That's what it is. Oh, I'm about oh to, okay. I'm about to end this man's whole career. That's what it is. <laughs> I'm about to end this man's whole career. And it, and it goes with the gif of, the guy who's looking all smug, and then the guy who's making like the Kevin from Home Alone face that with that that sw- that swipes by the screen and causes the GIF to loop. You know what I'm talking about? Like the rap battle GIF. I don't know. If you Google it, you'll you'll see what I'm talking about. It's tough to explain. Okay. But yeah, so that that's what Cheryl's smile said. I'm about to end this man's whole career. Which talking about Berg because Larry goes right to Berg's. Actually, he doesn't go right to Berg's. The Girl Scouts ring the bell to collect the money for the cookies. And Hollywood elite, um, Hollywood Democrat, Larry David, has to commend them on their demographics. Because as he points out, we have a black and an Asian. And he asked the the other you know little girl who is white, I don't suppose you're Jewish, are you? And she goes, um, no. Uh... <laughs> like, even the Girl Scouts are like, why do we have to be talking about this? <laughs> and he's like, oh, well. But he's like, by the way, I am not paying for those cookies. I don't want them anymore because of the little tiff that he had with Kira's dad. Joel, and so he slams the door on the Girl Scouts without paying for the cookies. Then he goes over to Berg's to confront him uh, about his non-Jewishness, and Berg goes, "Oh yeah, no, I um, why? Why did you uh, did you think I was Jewish?" And Larry, you know, pretty much accuses him of trying to make people think that he is Jewish. <laughs> um, and he's like, "What do you mean?" He's like, "Well, it was my birthday. You said Mazel Tov." He's like, "Yeah, because you're Jewish." And he's like, "When I asked you if you were going to the temple for high holidays, you said no." He's like. Yeah, because I'm not going because I'm not. And so at first I was on Berg's side here where I'm like, oh, Larry yeah. just wanted him so bad. But it does just, turn just around. a lot of like very, like very funny coincidences. Yeah, I guess in, in the temple thing, Larry, he feels like Berg should have said, oh, no, you know, I'm not Jewish in that instance. But instead he just said, no, I'm not going to temple. But Berg's subtext was, no, I'm not going to temple because I'm Catholic. Larry's was, oh, no, I'm just not going to temple, but I usually would or whatever. But but it, it does turn when Berg goes, oi, Larry, what's with the... And he's like, there you go, you said oi. And he's like, it's a common expression. So it's at this point that I'm on Larry's, <laughs> Larry's side. side. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it does, it does, he's like, you have a shofar on your desk. He's like, I get gifts, I put them out, people give me things, I don't know what it is. Uh, you know, the shofar is like that horn that, that they blow on, on one of the high holidays. I, I don't know enough, you know, to, to even remember what, what that is. But he's like, he's like, look, I get gifts. So that's one of them. So is the mezuzah by the door. So we do know from watching Curb that what the mezuzah is. So he has, has that by the door. So Berg is definitely trying to make people think that he's Jewish. But when he's caught, he doesn't try to, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't try to hide it. Yeah, he doesn't try to hide it. It's just he was lying by omission so well that. You know, when he does get called on it, he has plausible deniability. But he is Swedish, in fact. Berg is that kind of Berg, like a Bergen, and not like, you know, <laughs> not the Jewish Berg. So, yeah, he's, he's Swedish. So back at home, um, he called, uh, uh, they're playing pool with Leon, Jeff, and Leon and Larry. And he's like, you know what, Berg, when I first met him, he called me a big macher. And he's like, he, he enunciated it like that? He's like, yeah, he hit the, he hit the CH, macher, 
mocker. <laughs> He's like, he called me. He called me for lunch one day and asked me if I wanted to go get a nosh. So this has all you know been a pattern of Berg trying to you know make people think that he is in fact Jewish. Marty Funkhauser comes by and guess what? He's getting a divorce and. Leon tells Funkhauser that he's got to get some new ass because he ran that old ass into the ground, right? <laughs> and he won't let Funkhauser out of the conversation until he agrees that he ran the old ass into the ground. I like Marty still being like, I don't want to talk about my wife that way. He's like, but you did run that ass into the ground, right? It's like, <laughs> let's not talk. You ran that old ass into the ground, right? He's like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I like that he insisted that he say he ran that old ass into the ground and uh, he's got to get some new ass. And Jeff is jealous because everyone's getting a divorce now. And Leon's single anyway. He doesn't even need a divorce. But now Larry and Funk are going to be single. And Jeff is jealous. But this is another instance where, you know, I think, is it Funkhauser who, like, asks for Berg's information or whatever? He's like, oh, yeah, I want to call Berg. And he's like, you know what? He's not really Jewish. And then Funkhauser goes, I was over at his house for Hanukkah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how deep this goes, that Berg will actually celebrate Hanukkah with uh, people he knows to make to make them think he's Jewish. Uh, over at Dodger Stadium, which this looks like a real office at the real Dodger Stadium. I mean, I don't think this was like a set piece that they wheeled in behind. Maybe I'm wrong, but it looked like that was actually the the office and the field back there. Like, I don't know if it yeah, was the, I don't know. the owner's know. office. Yeah. But. I mean, it, it could very easily be a set with a green screen. Totally. Yeah. Or even like a big matte painting behind it or something. But but yeah, it sure looked like the real Dodgers Stadium there at the office. Uh, and he is Larry is telling Joel about Berg. I think this I think that's what um, I think that's where how we got to Marty's line about it. Cause he was like, oh, you know what? I got to tell Joel about Berg not being Jewish. Um, and so he goes over there and he tells him he's like, wow, you know, thanks for thanks for giving me the heads up. And we cut to Larry. He's like, what are we going to do now? We cut to Larry. Hiring Hiram Katz, attorney at law. (laughs) (laughs) And then one month later, Larry and Funk are two single guys at the ball game. And I guess Larry's hookup does come with a plus one because I guess so. He brought Funk. Yeah. Uh, And so he brought the Funk. They go up to the owner's box entrance, but their names are not on the list. And like, but we're friends of the owner, Joel O'Donnell. And the ushers inform them, oh, Joel lost the team in the, the divorce. He doesn't own the team anymore. Was this not on Los Angeles or even national news that the owner <laughs> of a baseball team lost it? In a, that would make national news. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it would be a huge deal. But also, <laughs> I could very easily see Larry just not knowing it. But I don't know. But I, Marty, Marty would yeah. probably know it. Yes. Yeah. Marty, we've seen at Dodgers games before in, in pretty good seats. You know, he was there in the, uh, the, um, the carpool lane episode, mm-hmm. uh, but this would make at least this would be talked about in Los Angeles. Like our sports team is changing hands because of a divorce. This yeah. billion dollar unless property. It was like, unless it was like that afternoon. It sure seems like it. Right. But, but how do, how were they able to take everybody off the list at the game? The day he lost the team. Like, <laughs> what? And she was able to put all, cause there, there is a list. So those must have been all of her friends. Yeah, uh, on the I mean, list. hey, it's it's a Google Doc. You know, it's yeah. 2011. It's a Google Doc. <laughs> it's an updated Google Doc. Yeah, Control yeah. X. Hang all on. the all the existing names. And they and it, it happened right as the game was starting, and they refreshed yes. it and they printed it out and put it on the the um, absolutely the, what's it called the clipboard. Yeah, wait. Okay, we you know, we always wait until the last second to print that Google Doc for the absolutely. Clipboard. <laughs> we have to wait until five o'clock on the dot <laughs> to yeah. print out the Google Doc. Right when gates open. You're right yeah. when gates open. Absolutely. <laughs> Um, and so Joel lost the team in the divorce, which was not on the news because it just happened. And, and the the reason I agree with you that it happened that day is because what happens in a second here, Larry speeds over. He's like, wait a minute. Funkhauser's like, wait, didn't, don't you guys, aren't you guys using the same lawyer now? He's like, oh my God. And Cheryl's meeting with him, signed the papers. So Larry speeds over to the meeting, runs into Joel, who is coming down the elevator. So I'm, I'm guessing like, <laughs> I'm guessing his papers had just been signed. Yeah, and they and then they, you know, maybe maybe she called them. Was like, you know what? Reprint that Google Doc. I just rep- I made one little change. I, I deleted all the names, put all my friends on there. So reprint that Google Doc. They're like, ma'am, it's it's the first inning. You know, for, for she's like, I don't care. I own the team. I'm the owner now. 
So print the new one and then, yeah, kick everybody out that's already in there. We're going to do a full reset for this game. And if they're not on the list, yeah, that's why I agree with you that it just happened that he lost the team. And, and, and it wasn't breaking news, you know, and Larry doesn't listen to the radio. So, you know, we know that, that uh, he, he wouldn't have heard about it until after. You know, life comes at you fast. Uh, even even it, when a, the, a small change, like, all it takes is one little signature on a line for the for a major league baseball team to switch hands in an afternoon. Uh, and so Joel, because you know he suggested this shitty lawyer to him, socks him in the face, and Larry comes to surrounded by helpful bystanders, including one who offers him a tampon for his bloody nose. And it's at that point that Cheryl comes out of the elevator, and we find out that she got the house. And so Larry has 24 hours to uh, <laughs> remove himself from the premises. She also, of course, remarks, like, what do you have up your nose? And he's like, it's a tampon for the bloody nose. Stop the bleeding. And so back at home, Leon and Larry are packing. Leon's very, you know, upset at the fact that he has to move again, you know, especially with the house full of <laughs> memories, like the time he fucked two bitches in Larry's bed. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> and Larry's like... You had sex with two women in my bed? He's like, yeah. You know how hard it is to have sex with two people in a twin bed? So <laughs> that's why. That's when a gang of Girl Scouts uh, comes at the door. He tries slamming the door on them again, but there's a Girl Scout that stops the slam with her foot as Larry fights to close the door. And that is when Frolic starts to play. And that is the end of the episode. All right. Uh, Tim, what do we got for homework this week? Uh, Paul F. Tompkins. What was he up to uh, around 2011? Uh, what about okay. Jessica St. Clair? And then, you know, I got I recognized. Did you recognize one of the security guards? I didn't recognize. Uh, I don't know. I didn't recognize the big one. I recognized the shorter one. And I think that's Eugene Cordero. I want to see if I just if I recognize him from anything. So I'm going to write that down. Uh, the security guard number one, I think, is who he okay. played. But if it's not him, it's I'll get the name right next week. But I, I do want to look to see where I recognize him. Uh, and, and that's it. All right. Uh, what do you like for cover art this week? Ah, oh, man. Good question. As it always is. And I'm never prepared. <laughs> um, I mean, something with Larry and, and Paul F. Tompkins would be great. Or Larry shaking hands when he hires Hiram Katz is pretty good, too. Because, I mean, I loved the disparity. And the only, I mean, it's, is this straight up racist? I mean, I know it goes back to the Seinfeld, like, if I, if I like the race how is it racist you know and we kind of unpacked that when he said oh i've always wanted to date a chinese woman i love Ch and and elaine's like isn't that racist and he was like if i like and we were like yes like fetishizing a race is still racist Racism. because you have an idea in their head you're stereotyping in your head they just happen to be good stereotypes you know yeah and so so this is racist that that, Je that jerry um, jerry that larry doesn't want a lawyer simply because he's jewish even though he was doing a better job and he hires Hiram Katz because he thinks he's going to do a better job just because he's Jewish. It really is. If I like them, how is it racist? But it is still a little bit, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it absolutely is. Yeah, maybe not even a little bit, but I, <laughs> but I still love the disparity between Paul F. Tompkins and, uh, you know, between Berg and, and Katz's offices because, you know, Berg's office is like that slick L.A., you know, the marble desk they even point out. Yeah, like, like the, high it's, up in a tower. Yeah, oh, it's a penthouse, yeah. the sp It's spacious. There's And Berg's office is like a closet with, like, papers everywhere and books, like, scattered and just, like, there's no order to it at all. And it's, like, so it's like a, so small. Um, and I liked the, the disparity between those two. But maybe him shaking hands with cats in that office would be a, a good cover art. What are you thinking? Okay. Uh, I was thinking it's just, like, something with e him and either of the lawyers. I don't think there yeah. is a two-shot of him and Berg, but I will I will look for I'll look for something. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's see what we can do about this week's description. All right. <laughs> so we had season eight premiere. Period. <laughs> Larry learns his divorce lawyer isn't kosher, comma, and rescinds a cookie order from a Girl Scout. I don't think the Girl Scouts have anything to do with this. I don't think they need to be included in this whatsoever. And but the lawyers is good. So we have I mean what about, is this too broad? Like Larry navigates his divorce settlement. Is that too broad? Is that is that basically all that happens? That's basically it. Okay, here. What about Larry convinces a friend to get divorced because we all think it's going to be Jeff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, do you want to include Larry navigates his divorce? What did I say? His divorce settlement. Larry navigates his divorce settlement and convinces a friend to get divorced. Uh, nah, nah. Okay. One one of those is good. I, I like. How about Larry Larry navigates his divorce settlement and learns that his lawyer is not Jewish? Yeah, I'm 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 I mean, does that give too much away? 
I mean, could it be like Larry navigates his divorce settlement and, you know, questions whether he has the best lawyer or something like that? That's wordy, but Larry navigates his divorce settlement, but doubts, but begins to doubt whatever his lawyer. Larry tries to find the best lawyer as he navigates his divorce settlement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. There yeah. we go. There yeah. we go. That'll do it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let's 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 settle right there. Fine with <laughs> All right, that. Tim. Did you like this episode? Yeah, you know, it was a good season premiere. I think it did what a season premiere is supposed to do, and we're sort of, you know, setting the stage for single Larry this scene. We're gonna be in a new house. Leon's still there, you know, Funk's getting a divorce, and so you know, we're, we're sort of like, this could be like like a prologue, I think, to what's going to be, I, I don't know what the main overarching theme of this season is. Maybe it is Larry back on the dating scene or whatever. But but yeah, I mean, it, it, it got the job done. It was funny. I got a lot of great laughs out of it. I, I'm not going to give it a star or anything because it didn't blow me away like some other, like at least one other premiere has. But, you know, it was a great average, solid premiere. What about you? I'm in the same boat. Like yeah. the season premieres have not been the best episodes of the season in uh, in multiple yeah. seasons. Yeah. I I have a a pattern now of not really giving much love to season premieres. And I I think it's just there's too much exposition. It's yeah. trying to set up all of these new things and it just a lot of it kind of falls flat. Now, I will say I think this is one of the best season premieres but I still don't think it's getting a star or even a star low for me. Yeah, yeah. I think Meet the Blacks was maybe the only one that that both of us had had ever starred as far as season. I think so too. Go. Yeah, yeah. I just I just flipped back to my season six notes and yeah, that was the season six premiere was Meet the Blacks and that got a star. And and for both of us, Funkhauser's Crazy Sister certainly didn't get a star last season, um, <laughs> and and didn't even really set up that much uh, no. as far as the Seinfeld reunion goes, but. Um, but this one, you know, it, it did a great job of of setting the stage, and it was funny, a great average kind of episode, and and it, it certainly moves the story along. So yeah, I mean, it's it was fine. All right, well, all of wait, what am I doing? All of that <laughs> being said, I'm, 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 back, back to the beginning. Let's start the whole episode over again. <laughs> no, Ted was not recording. <laughs> I, I was not. I was not recording. Uh, take two on on everything. Uh, <laughs> all right, well. Uh, Next week, we have got Season 8, Episode 2, The Safe House. Original air date, July 17th, 2011. And if you are looking in TV Guide that night, you are going to see Larry becomes an unlikely role model for battered women, and Richard Lewis's relationship with a burlesque performer is put to the test. You know what? I I am looking forward to another Richard Lewis relationship episode. (laughs) I know. We don't get enough of those. We don't get enough of those. (laughs) There's like, yeah, there's at least one, probably an average of one a season, you know, because maybe there's two some seasons or whatever. But I hope (laughs) that they go back to the well and he's like, this is the one. I hope he's telling Larry this is the one. This is the one. This is the one. I I, I finally, finally did it. (laughs) I'm looking forward to it, honestly. Like, I'm not even joking. I really can't wait. (laughs) Um, now I'm going to be disappointed if they don't go back to the well on that. Uh, so, all right. I don't, I don't remember much about this episode. Um, I hope, I certainly hope they treat battered women with respect, but we'll see. You know, Um, they probably won't. (laughs) What's more likely to happen? Richard Lewis has found the one or they treat this with, uh, the respect, all all the respect and all the gravitas that it, that it probably needs. Uh, we'll find out uh, (laughs) next week. Is that it? Yeah, I think that's it. All right, for No Hugging, No Learning, I'm Tim Murphy. (laughs) I'm Ted Hollowell. Be good! (laughs) 